Hello and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. Today is October 14th, 2021, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 2 of our podcast. I'm your host, Brad Wilson, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Courtney Beach and Joe Filiomeni. We are back now, uh, Episode 2. It's been a little bit more of a hiatus than we normally take. We usually do these podcasts bi-weekly. It's been about a month now since we came back with Season 3 and chatted about the uh, Canadian election back in September. We're now a month later and uh, there's lots going on. So we're back, uh, hopefully to keep going bi-weekly, but uh, we're gonna produce these podcasts as, as best we can right now. But uh, there is lots going on. So we'll wanna check in first with the team here um, to, to kick off this episode on, on what's on our radar there. What's going on in the, in the world? Uh, what are we watching and, uh, and experiencing right now? Joe, did you wanna kick us off there? Yeah, sure. Probably the biggest thing uh, of concern is is the uh, amount of shortages, supply shortages that we're uh, currently experiencing, and apparently it's going to get worse and worse. So, uh, uh, Brad and Courtney, if you want to buy my Christmas present, you should buy it now <laughs> and not wait because you probably won't be able to find it in the stores. So then. I, I'm trying to still find where the shortage came from, like, you know, uh, what's causing this bottleneck. And as far as I can tell, it seems like obviously a lot uh, comes out of the, uh, uh, the Asian countries, the China and Japan and whatnot. And I, mm-hmm. and I believe COVID has really impacted them on their work schedule. And yeah. that in turn has caused a bit of uh, shortages and uh, with shortages yeah there's always concern that uh, prices will go up right my understanding is they haven't gotten the vaccine rollouts that some of us here in the west have gotten so they're behind and so a lot of the factories are having problems you know getting products ready to ship. Another problem is, you know, the oil. I don't know if you remember, but last year oil dropped significantly because there was an oversupply of it. And it's not so easy to turn off the taps, but I believe they slowed down and turned off some of the taps. Well, it's equally difficult, if not more difficult to turn them back on. And so now we have a shortage of oil and people are panicking, which makes it worse going out and buying extra oil so they don't run out. So that's why the gas prices have skyrocketed in the last few weeks as well. And this is where like a lot of people start to hit the panic buttons. You'll see, mm-hmm. um, I think Ikea said that they're expecting these shortages to be uh, this in their supply chain till mid 2022. I know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have been moving into houses and their couch won't show up for another six months. And, uh, you know, so there's, it is creating a lot of stress, a lot of panic um, and a lot of fear, not only in everybody's everyday lives, but in in the markets as well and there's some concern and and to your point Courtney with the oil I unfortunately had to fill up at a dollar 43 the other day uh which is about 40 cents higher than I usually like to fill up um but you're right the prices of of gas is keeps going up and there's people out there talking a hundred dollars a barrel you know and and there's lots of of discussion out there about where this could all head and and that's kind of where we fall into this um ironically, this fall uh, season of volatility, right? And just, there's so much going on. There's a lot of news and talks. We're getting ready to head into the holiday season and the markets are, you're you're walking on eggshells with the markets Mm -hmm. as every day that passes there. 
yeah, that seasonal aspect is is very important, especially out here, you know, in the West, obviously, like, you know, oil is very important to heat our houses and stuff like that. So we're kind of gearing up for that. So if we follow this through and the supply chain is like bottlenecked, and that means the products that do come out to the shelves are higher priced. And we're seeing that everywhere, including, like, as you said, on, at, the, at the gas stations, that's, that's driving our inflation rate. And mm. it seems to me we're in around 4% already year to date, depending upon who you talk to. So inflation is, is certainly here, which we haven't experienced in such a long time. So we're, we're seeing increases in overall pricing that the what the market is concerned about obviously is whether or not the central banks will act on this inflation mm -hmm. and begin to tighten their monetary policy and actually increase interest rates before the scheduled increase and i think there's lots of hesitancy for them to do that on their part because there was all these promises at the beginning of we won't hike rates until 2023 and then now it's end of 2022. And now it's how soon is that going to be before we reach that point where there's almost mm -hmm. a need to combat the rising inflation uh, for them to implement something or some sort of policy, whether it is in, or, um, increasing interest rates or something else. And, and that's, the, that's the dilemma that they're faced with. And everyone's waiting for the next word. And as soon as something happens, you're going to see it reflected uh, across the board. Yeah, the markets are going to react for sure. I think the banks are going to be forced to increase the rates sooner than anticipated. I think a lot of uh, forecasters are saying that. The question is when. And let's face it, because a lot of uh, Canadians here are having a hard time affording just the simplest things of groceries. I mean, how many people go to the grocery store and have to spend so much more on groceries? And, you know, the Bank of Canada is hearing those sorts of things. And I think they're going to have to react a little faster than they originally anticipated, too. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a tough call. Like I wouldn't want to be sitting at the central bank trying to determine what what's my next step. But on the one side, I, I want the economy to continue growing, and uh, and having lower rates certainly helps in that. Um, but um, increasing the interest rate would potentially could you know stall the economy. Mm -hmm. They don't want that sort of to happen. But it's kind of interesting too. Is the um, the effect to the markets, right? Because we kind of think, well, why would interest rates actually affect my markets and my in my mutual funds, for example? Uh, well, if you follow it through, that interest rates is a higher cost to businesses. So businesses then have a, a higher cost uh, in operating and then less profit. So less profit then obviously the value of that company is a little bit less as well. And so then the market is trying to anticipate and it's a big guess. At the end of the day, it's a big guess. Like nobody knows, right? Like, you know, yeah. and this is all based on sort of emotion yeah. that is driving the market. Yeah. And at the same time, you got to think that the market isn't pricing those businesses based on today. They're pricing the businesses based on a year out or uh, longer. And so if they're anticipating the rate going up in a year and that changes in the Bank of Canada or the Fed in the States decides to increase the rate sooner, that will affect those businesses sooner, which means that the market is going to be volatile for a while while people recalculate their projections for the future for those businesses. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it goes to the to, to the aspect of there's always something sort of happening in the markets. And I just want to share a story of a, of a client that called last week and and, you know, was very concerned and, and basically uh, to, you know, to quote them saying like, uh, you know, I, I think this, you know, uh, the current situation that we're in with the economy is terrible and, and things are going to explode. And uh, and he's uh, or implode, I guess, would be more the more the term and uh, wanted to move everything to cash. So what do you do in a situation like when a, when a client is, is very emotional about uh, like the current situation? Um, any thoughts that would you guys would? Well, like and I think it's important because this this might be really um, this might be ring true for some some listeners out there about you know, how emotional they might find over hearing all this news and, and chatter. And I think it's wondering, where's that emotion stemming from, right? What's causing that, that fear? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the, is it the tabloid headlines? Is it the news? Is it, I think today, and, and part of one of the things that I've been, uh, you know, fascinated about too, is, is that Evergrande company in China, right? Like the impact that that one company being in, in China had on the global markets, and still is continuing to have on the global markets. It's mm-hmm. with the, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't, you wouldn't have found out about this Chinese company, uh, you know, going under and not being able to make its debt payments. But today, as soon as the, one little bit of information's out, the whole world knows and the whole world's being impacted. And I think it's the, the accessibility to information that, that keeps us all on our toes. You hear a notification if you've got alerts set on your phone for, you know, certain bad news that's going to happen, you're going to hear those alerts and you're going to panic. You're going to stress. It's going to cause you to, to rethink and to assess and to want to go to security and run to security. And I think that's, that's the big issue, right? Like, you know, we're all plugged in and they want to grab us in with, with these, this information and it's finding out what information is causing that and, Mm -hmm. and understanding it. And then and ending up in the end, uh, walking through and discussing it and actually analyzing and breaking it down, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, I think uh, listeners have to remember there's always something happening. If we go back in history, back to even to the 60s, even earlier than that, there's always something happening that's uh, affecting the markets in, in a positive and a negative way. And when people say, well, this is different, this is different. It's no different. It's no different than, you know, in 2000, the, the, the tech, uh, uh, burst in 1999, 2000. It's no different than 2007, 2008 with the, the meltdown. There's always something happening and COVID is just, it's just a, a label. That that is that is you know sparked this uh, in in 2020, and uh, so I I think people have to kind of think in terms of uh, that that there is always something on the go. The markets are always uh, you know one way or another, and that's the opportunity that sometimes that you find. And that's but, the one uh, thing, Joe. Too is is it's always something happening. But in the end, when you look back on the grand scheme of things, the markets replicate themselves relatively similarly through all of these major periods. And so people might be freaking out about, oh, it's the shortages now. It's the oil. Well, it was something else post two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. where you had a correction of five, ten percent, maybe. Right? There was other things. And if you chart it, if you if you map it out things are very similar and a lot more similar than you might, you might think or tend to believe based on what you're hearing today in the news. 
Mm -hmm. In the 70s, we, we ran across this with an oil shortage as well. I was pretty young too. You guys were, you know, very, well, you guys weren't even born yet. No. <laughs> so, but it was, I remember like prices of gas and whatnot, and they talked about sort of the shortage of oil and, and, uh, and stuff back then. So it's there, it's, it's absolutely right. But I, I, I think I've got, you know, maybe a few steps here that, that would help sort of our listeners, uh, sort of a, some five steps to overcome emotional market stress that I like to discuss maybe a little bit uh, with our viewers and, and, and our listeners. Um, I think the first thing that you got to do if you're feeling sort of that anxiety is just check your overall positions. I said, uh, check what you have in your portfolio, kind of look at that. Um, any other comments on, on, on that point? Yeah. One thing about volatility is it does give you the opportunity to look at your portfolio and see if there's any weaknesses that have developed since you last looked at it and to make those changes and maybe you'll find there's nothing to change. And I think it also just gives you a good, good chance to assess your situation. Understand this is the portfolio based off of, you know, how comfortable you were accepting risk. When you when you first got into that portfolio, and uh, this is that downside that you know you never want to happen, but is a is a is a factor and, and will happen eventually, and might be happening right now. And so yeah, understanding and that and 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 seeing how it is performing, and then you know maybe having a conversation after that. Yeah, because let's face it, you know, life changes, your circumstance changes as you get older, and just as life happens, and your risk tolerance might have changed since the last time you looked at it too. Yeah, so that that sort of falls into number two is just have that discussion with your financial advisor if you have one. Yeah. Um, I think share your concerns. I think that, you know, us as financial advisors here, we, we don't mind having the discussion with clients. I think, mm -hmm. I think it's very healthy. I'd rather the client call me and express their concerns so that we can kind of talk them uh, uh, about their about the current situation and what we're sort of looking at. And and to Brad's point, remember what your overall plan was originally. You you were in there for a long term plan. So uh, what has changed? Why all of a sudden you want to move to cash? You know because of the current market situation. So you got to stick with your long term plan. And and even even the older clients. We get this a lot of times, you know, they often will say, well, we don't have time to recover uh, from a downturn in the markets. And, and I always say, well, where are you going? And says, you're not going anywhere it says, unless you know the time when you're going to die or pass away and whatnot. And, and, and now's not the time to plan for that. Like that should have been already planned for. Um, so holding on and, and, and that goes into number three is actually holding your positions is often the answer. And I think that that kind of ties into the, the theory too. And what a lot of people end up falling into is trying to time the market. And understanding that if you want to run to cash now, well, when do you get back in? When do you get back in? And then if you do get back in, are you too late? Did you miss the two days that spiked back up? Right. And we talk about the 2020 in March, you know, that first week, if you, if you weren't in at that first week that the recovery started, you missed out on most of the recovery. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so, you know, you have, sometimes you have to take that extra little dip to get the full recovery. And if you try to time the market and you move to cash and then you move back in and then you move to cash and then you move back in, 
oftentimes you're going to be worse off than had you just let it yeah. go and trust the process, understand the portfolio and the positioning that you're yeah. in and, and work, work with it. Yeah. And the same, on the same hand, you got to think when the market's going down, if you sell, you're selling at a discount. When you sell at a low, it's like you're holding a product and suddenly the price for that product drops and you sell it at a discount. Yeah, you're going to make some money, but you didn't get the full value of the product. So are you going to wait until the price goes back up, which you know it will, or do you sell it at that discount? Yeah, you feel reassured that it didn't go down more, but you you, you lost a lot of money doing that because it's not till you sell it till you make that trade that you've locked in that price for yourself. Well, that's a, it's a great point. And, and it actually did occur in some of the clients accounts, like in, in 2020, as we talked about in earlier podcasts, the value-based investments didn't really do well in, in 2020. They kind of just held their own or somewhere even a little bit negative. And there was a couple of funds that we were, we recommend and we, we hold, uh, there was there was one particular client that sold out of it at the end of the year of 2020, uh, only to see in January, uh, January and February of 2021, those particular funds did 12, 13% return. And then this particular uh, investor jumped in after the fact. And he jumped in at the end of February into March and stuff. And uh, now he's saying to me, like, how come this fund hasn't done anything? I said, well, year to date, it's up like 12%, but you missed it because you didn't want to hold it. And because it, it was flat for last year. So sometimes hanging on to those, those flat funds, uh, flat performing funds really makes a lot of sense because there's a time and period when different uh, categories will do well and you want to hang on to those. And that just adds to the diversification, right? If you've got one fund that's riding the highs of the recovery in the market and one that's not, that means your portfolio is diversified, right? And you've got, you're capturing the full market. And then maybe when that fund kind of plateaus, the other one starts to go up and brings your portfolio up. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. Well, that moves into uh, step number four is I know you can't time the market, but during volatility, cash is king. So if you do have cash on the side, and again, we're not recommending that you move to cash in order to try to time the market because that never works well. But sometimes, you know, you're sitting on some cash and we're still seeing clients that you know, obviously they don't have a lot of places to spend. And uh, as, as the general economy starts opening up, so they do have some cash on hand and, and some clients are downsizing and, and getting the money from their houses and stuff. So it is an opportunity to, to make your cash work for you and take advantage of this volatility. Yeah. And it's not even just the big sums, even if it's just a matter of you're running a regular pack into your account, maybe increasing it a little bit. So you're adding a little bit more. And honestly, when the market starts going volatile, I don't know about the two of you, but I kind of think, of, oh, yay, everything's on sale. Let's go, yeah. you know, but not everyone has that mindset when it comes to volatility in the markets. And, and even if you're even if you're not um, increasing the amount significantly, uh, my recommendation is always to increase the frequency, right? Mm -hmm. If you're running a biweekly pack of $100, it actually makes a difference to go $50 a week. Because you're taking advantage if it is periods of volatility, that volatility happens on a daily to weekly basis. So the more frequently you're buying in, the more opportunities you have to capture the ups and downs of the market. So I always recommend that if you're going to do it, you might as well do it on a weekly basis, a smaller amount every week. 
because that way it, it, it builds up and it takes advantage of the small little dips and, and um, swings in the market. That's a good point, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us to the final point, uh, or the final step to overcome emotional market stress. And, and, and I truly believe in this is uh, really turn off the noise. Like there is so much noise out there and, and, and we're in a world now where information is just, uh, it's, it's, uh, let's call it jaded, let's call it like murky, like you don't get clear information all the time and there's so much of it and mm -hmm. we're getting it through all our various devices and stuff. So sometimes turning off the noise makes a lot of sense if you're investing. Well, let's remember bad news sells. So they write bad news first because they know it gets the most clicks. And in the financial industry, we call BNN the bad news network for a reason. Like, yeah, yeah they have some great pieces on there and some informative people, but you got to remember they're there to sell. They want you to watch. They want you to click. And I think too, you, you'll always see the analyst or the you know manager or whatever that predicted the market bottom he won't write his book about the eight times he was wrong about the market bottom but he will write it about the one time he was right about the market bottom nobody will ever write it about going up because they'll play on your fear and so you know every year you have the same analyst coming out saying we're in for a market crash and when he's right he'll let you know about it and his book will you know rise to the top of the bestsellers on amazon but that's the thing is they keep saying that because they know that's news that's going to cause you to think, cause you to worry, cause you to stress, which creates turmoil and volatility, which creates these periods of opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. you got to filter what you are receiving in your inbox. And I don't know about you guys, but I have feeds that specifically have good news in them to kind of balance out the not great stuff that you're always bombarded with. Yeah. Yeah, well, that totally makes sense. Well, here, there you go. Five steps to overcome emotional market stress. Like, uh, you know, um, and I can make a prediction too that the market will go down. I'm not going to say when and how much and stuff. But yeah, the market's going to go. Down. And you'll write a book about it later, Joe. Eventually, I'll say I seller. It. It, uh, yeah, stuff, no, so, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. well, thank you so much for tuning into uh, episode two, season three of the podcast. We'll be back in a few weeks there with uh, another episode. But in the meantime, if you have any questions or any topics you'd like us to cover in the future, please reach out to us on social media. Uh, you can check out our website, www.kltwealth.ca. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services, Inc. or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc. 
Insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc.